Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a two-for-one special with Asim Roy. He is the Head of International Operations of Wipro, and he is also the Country Head of Wipro for the Philippines. Wipro is a an Indian uh, IT BPM outsourcer. Uh, they have about 200,000 staff globally. They are listed on the NASDAQ, uh, and they have a fairly famous or certainly well-known billionaire philanthropist founder in Asim Premji. Uh, and there is actually a book uh, also called Asim Premji if you want to read uh, about this illustrious man and his building of Wipro. So it's great to have Asim on the show to discuss Wipro, but also he's here to discuss uh, CIBO or C-I-B-O, which is uh, Cebu's ITBPM Association or organization. So Asim is one of the trustees of CIBO. Uh, so we dig into Wipro. Uh, we dig into Wipro in the Philippines and also the origins of Wipro. Uh, and then also we talk about uh, Cebu uh, and the opportunities in Cebu and the development that's happening there. Uh, it's a really good Great conversation, uh, and Asim is an incredible uh, industry veteran of outsourcing, uh, and also a wonderful man. So I really enjoyed my conversation with Asim and learnt a lot. I hope you also enjoy. If you want, as always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com/podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Asim Roy, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Derek. Good morning, good evening, whichever part of the world you are. Of course, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. You, uh, you're uh, an esteemed uh, veteran of the outsourcing industry. I want to hear uh, your journey in the outsourcing industry. Uh, you are the current country head for Wipro in the Philippines, uh, and also you are based in Cebu, which we're going to hear a lot about in this episode, hopefully. Uh, and you are a trustee of the CIBO, which is uh, Cebu's IT BPM Association for the industry. So it's really great to hear more about Cebu and, and you know, they are really um, 
doing incredible things in the outsourcing industry and in the IT parks there. So it's uh, great to have you on the show. But uh, Asim, I um, suppose if you could introduce yourself and, and give us a little bit of background into your uh, long, lustrous uh, career in outsourcing. Oh, thank you, Derek. My pleasure. So, yeah, good morning, everyone. So, I'm Asim Roy. I manage the country of operations for Wipro in the Philippines. Uh, I'm based out of Cebu, like Derek pointed it out. And uh, uh, my journey goes back to almost 2001, where I joined a company called Spectramine, which was uh, a BPO company way back in 2020, 20, 2000 or should I 2001. Uh, the company later got acquired by Wipro somewhere around 2002-2003 and then it has been an extremely exciting journey you know I'd worked through through the ranks I'd uh, you know performed different roles uh, managed activities at an account level managing uh, stuff at a shift manager operations manager then eventually you know before I diversified into you know managing some of the domestic business of for Wipro in India you know I got an opportunity in 2010 to come to Philippines and, um, you know, you won't believe it. It's been now 11 years and uh, same here, the same story, kind of uh, exciting that I came here to manage a specific customer and account, move into a more of a vertical role. And over the last four to five years, I've actually moved into, a, a, you know, the larger portfolio of managing, managing the geo, which includes, a, a, you know, bulk of our business, which is focused on the BPO or the BPM part. And... Uh, uh, a substantial part on the IT part of the business as well. So uh, Cebu is the place which I now call home. I've got my family here. My second child was born here. So it's uh, pretty much home for us for now over a decade. So uh, so extremely excited uh, to be here and extremely excited to be here on this panel to talk about uh, Wipro and Cebu in particular. Uh, that keeps us kind of uh, keep us moving and what keeps us uh, excited about the Philippine story and the Cebu story to take forward. So that's great. And for that's, those yeah, for those that aren't familiar with Wipro, then it, it's it's a major player in the market, and of course, it's it's you know sort of a storied brand from India uh, with a very well known uh, leader or, or founder. Can you give us a uh, you know the the overview of uh, what Wipro is and and where it's come from? Oh, absolutely. So Wipro today is a leading global IT consulting business processes services company. Uh, we kind of uh, harness the power of, say, today, cognitive computing, hyper-automation, robotics, cloud, analytics, and emerging technologies to uh, primarily help our customers adapt to the digital world and make them successful. So it's a company which is recognized globally for its comprehensive portfolio of services, strong commitment to sustainability, and good corporate citizenship. Today, we have over uh, 200,000 dedicated employees serving clients across the six continents. Together, you know, we deliver ideas and connect the dots to build a better and a bold new future. But that's what Wipro is today. Now, let me take you back some somewhat what in time. So it's not that we were always into the IT BPO space. Uh, our origins date back to 1945 when Wipro was incorporated as what is called Western India Vegetable Products. So what you hear of Wipro today was actually Western India Vegetable Products. Uh, we have a, so what we did in 1945, we were into the business of making soaps, making uh, uh, vegetable oil. That's why it's called Western India Vegetable Products. 
And then eventually through, you know, almost first 30, 40 years of our journey was all about consumer products, soaps and oils and things like that. It's in 1982 that Wipro entered the IT products business where we initiated our, uh, you know, first steps in IT. Then around 1990, we got into third-party R&D and then again more of IT services. Somewhere around 2000, we got listed in New York Stock Exchange. And that's where I said between 2000 and 2002 is where Wipro also realized they needed a service arm or a customer service arm. Then Wipro uh, acquired Spectramind, which is an organization that I said I was part of. Uh, in 2014, we launched Wipro Digital. That was our strongest shift towards the digital business. And then over the last, you know, I'll say, you know, between 2015 and 2017, Wipro has been kind of uh, in an acquisition phase. You know, we acquired companies like Designit, Aprio. And eventually in 2017, we did a lot of overhauling in terms of our commitment to a new brand, our, you know, our articulation or spirit of Wipro. And, you know, last year was extremely exciting. We, we, not just because of the challenge that we faced in COVID, we had a complete revamp in the, in the management structure. So today what you see is a much more rejuvenated, much more stronger, much more hungry Wipro that you see in the market. So that's pretty much our uh, soap to software story. And uh, like I said, you know, in the last few months, I would say we have also become amongst the top three, uh, you know, uh, top, top three, uh, you know, biggest companies in India's IT sector uh, in terms of uh, capitalization. So there has been some of the key achievement that we have seen over the last six to one year, six months to one year. And it, it really was an incredible journey in India because you, it really rode the wave of the the computer hardware kind of uh, wave in the 80s, 90s, and then it rode the wave of the IT BPM, business processing, outsourcing wave uh, after that. Uh, it Rode two really significant waves, and and you know, and is still a hugely significant uh, company in in India. Uh, and you know, how how do you see uh, it now? Is it still sort of evolving? Is it still sort of finding new industries, or you know, are you have you sort of matured into your space? So I'll say, uh, Derek, uh, that our approach and our founders' approach to this whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, our direction that we have taken. You know, I would rather not comment on the larger strategy, but I would say that there's a lot of focus on what we call is the purpose. What is the purpose of the organization? If you look at Wipro today, you know, almost, you know, 67% of our economic interest, and I'll repeat again, 67% of Wipro's economic interest is irrevocably pledged for philanthropic efforts through, you know, uh, through what you call is Azim Premji Foundation, Azim Premji Philanthropy Initiatives. So you can very well understand, you know, as a, as a, as a founding fathers for this organization, uh, Mr. Premji and the, the board of directors have kind of decided that uh, while we scale up, while we win, make shareholder value an important part of our business ethics, but we also ensure we take care of the communities around us. And that's where, like I said, that almost 67% of Wipro's economic interest is 
irrevocably committed to philanthropic initiatives. So, um, in fact, we are also a founding member of Transform to Net Zero, uh, which is more about commitment to bringing our expertise in strategy, design, and technology to help kind of transform our customers and sectors of global economy to to sustainable business models, products, services, and ecosystem. So that's where we we stand. You know, together with a cross-sectorial group of uh, climate leaders, our our vision is to enable an inclusive net zero economy no later than, say, 20, 2050. So that is good for people, business, and our planet. I think that's that's the larger purpose that we see where our organization stands. And as some background information, Azim Premji, he is the, the founding father in a way, but he was actually the son of the original founder. And there was a there was a book called Azim Premji, uh, and, which is really interesting if you're into yeah. the outsourcing industry, I suppose. A good book, um, obviously, about his life. And he is now, um, you know, one of uh, a sort of global uh, billionaire philanthropist and highly sort of motivated by philanthropy and giving back. And uh, so it's, it is a fascinating story, isn't it? So where you're right, spot on, Derek. Like I said, you know, uh, he is amongst our founders. Uh, obviously, the business was initiated by his father, but Mr. Premji took it to the new heights. Uh, you know, uh, there was a, a transition that happened in 1945, 1947, and I think uh, that direction has been extremely uh, you know, in a in turbulent environment, I think uh, the organization adapted itself very well to the market conditions. Uh, this was post-partition India, and I think that's where the organization, which was built upon strong ethics, values, uh, you know, integrity, and that's what we have seen Wipro grow over the years, and we stand where we are now, and I, we are extremely proud of that. And we'll get on to Cebu, but just as a bit of a background, you're obviously Indian uh, and, you know, the, the biggest players without doubt in the outsourcing industry uh, is from India. They're, you know, they're, they are the powerhouse. Uh, and I'd like to think that the Philippines is following closely behind. But, you know, as, um, you know, an Indian from the outsourcing industry now in the Philippines, how do you see the two industries, the, the pros and cons of each uh, player um, how do you see the two the two countries playing out? So uh, I will still like to identify while we are headquartered in India, uh, but I will still like to identify uh, ourselves as a uh, as a global player. You know, we are pretty much committed. To, nothing better than to mention that our CEO right now is a, a gentleman who has uh, French citizenship. So let's let's be much more global than you guys might think. So uh, yes, we have presence in almost sixty plus countries, over hundred cities. Uh, the way I look at it uh, about the PPO industries between uh, you know Philippines and India, I would first like to draw a kind of a larger landscape. The larger landscape is all about what is the industry scope like, what is the industry size like. So if you look at the global market for uh, BPO industry, it was, say, around $145 billion in 2018. It has now grown to almost, so expected to grow around $185 billion by 2022. Now, as we see and when we look at the BPO industry, we technically do not make too much of segregation. We tend to look at both the IT BPO kind of uh, setup, and that's where we arrive at a number. So if you look at, say, Philippines BPO industry, 
it is around 29 billion dollars uh, overall bpo and it combined which philippines is like 90% bpo and a 10% it that's how i look at it uh, if you look at visavis say in india which is like almost 180 billion dollars so uh, the more focus is on uh, it and it's kind of not perfectly the same symmetry but it's like just the opposite of what you have in philippines you know maybe an 85 to 90% is more on the it and 10% in bpo so uh, from a pure voice play from a pure bpo i think philippines is still the leader uh, india has kind of skipped that position or lost that position somewhere between 2005 and 2007 when uh, philippines backed by very strong culture affinity uh, good knowledge of english both spoken read write and uh, like i said you know time zone alignment whether it's uh, cultural alignment uh, socio political alignment i think all that played a significant role in pushing philippines you know if you look at this country size it's almost uh, more than one tenth of the india's population but i think the country has done exceptionally well in being now that kind of a mecca or a center for all uh, bpo operations uh, with its voice non voice so i think that edge has been there that edge is still there but like i said you know in turbulent times with new crises new opportunities comes new threats so uh, with automation being there with a lot of focus on rpa so we all know that mundane repetitive work are bound to go away so one key thing that we see that not just for for repro in philippines but are generally the bpo industry in philippines they are kind of uh, gearing up for those challenges there's a lot of focus on skill ups there's a lot of focus on talent development how do you ensure that you, that you stay competitive beyond the the simple vanilla voice contact center work so i see that happening all around us there are there are still some areas whereby uh, you know in terms of vertical philippines does very well that's one includes healthcare that's a strong alignment with the healthcare system of uh, you know of the west that kind of gives them edge and uh, you know it's the powerhouse of Uh, nurses and healthcare professionals so you can't discount out from a domain similarly in the bfsi space also we see that you know vertical wise uh, this seems to be doing pretty well so i think that's where they need to play on their strength and uh, so far i think we have been able to see the emerge the industry emerge stronger uh, i won't say at an exceptional pace but at least for the you know if i just talk about about philippines bpo industry what happened in the last mm-hmm. one year so i would say that you know we see almost uh, uh, it, like it's like 87% of the companies are now expected to see between 5 to 15% growth in 2021 and possibly uh, other 13% and that may be flat so uh, bpo industry has responded well it has added more jobs around 20 30000 jobs in the year 2020 so that's that's extremely heartening because at a time when the whole world is still uh, coping up with the effects of uh, covid i think the industry has been far more resilient so when we say around 1.3 million people are supported directly another 5 x percentage uh, of people you could say are supported indirectly in terms of logistics in terms of building real estate so i think it's still the the largest private employer sector for philippines and a major contributor to the philippines gdp so we stay bullish we continue to stay extremely excited about the philippines itbp industry and uh, you know we see a bright future the tailwinds are there no doubt the competition is there but i think they have been able to create a niche for themselves and and uh, we wish to that to where i see you know just to where, where i see wipro coming to this entire picture is that you mm-hmm. know we have always believed there doesn't have to be a 
over dependence on just one particular city or a specific province and uh, you know we have kind of followed through on that uh, philosophy or strategy to say that we need to diversify we need to bring more jobs to to provincial cities and towns and and uh, bring more sustainable equitable uh, distribution of wealth and opportunities across the country and on that note then you you are based or headquartered down in Cebu which is really the Philippines uh, second city you know and most of the focus most of the sort of economic development in the Philippines is centered around Manila uh, and certainly for the outsourcing industry the government though is you know really trying to push out the economic development into the sort of secondary and tertiary cities and i think they're doing quite a good job in encouraging provincial development. So how do you see, you are, if I get this right, you are the the biggest private employer in Cebu. And how do you see Cebu in terms of the outsourcing and infrastructure landscape of the Philippines? Oh, that's that's an exciting question, Derek. So so I'll, I'll put a bit of stress about our strategy here. So we started our operation in the Philippines somewhere around 2007-2008. And, uh, you know, you can well imagine even in 2008, we thought uh, Manila was was pretty congested, right? So uh, that's almost 13 years back. So uh, then we were scouting for an opportunity, a, a location which can give us equally good talent pool, uh, connectivity, international airport connectivity, infrastructure, uh, you know, and, and and by and large, the good, you know, what you call the ease of doing business kind of environment. So that time when we are scouting for space and location, we come across Cebu. Uh, we found the, the, the city government and the provincial government extremely inviting. Uh, they facilitated, uh, you know, everything that you need to, to set up a new operation. So, that time, while we would have had our own doubts, but I think the decision kind of uh, uh, proven uh, right. Uh, over the last 13 years, we saw Cebu grow uh, exponentially in certain years. In certain years, it was a flat growth. But by and large, if I look back and I say, uh, what did we achieve? Yes, we are extremely proud of the fact that, you know, today uh, we are the largest, possibly the largest India headquartered company in Philippines. Uh, like you said, we are the largest private employer. So we have over 7,000 employees in Cebu City. And we have some additional 1,500 odd in Manila. But you can, it's not that we, we kind of designed it that way, that we have to be bigger in Cebu or smaller in Manila. Uh, we, even in Manila, we do some very strategic business. We do both of IT work. Uh, Cebu, Manila is also our BCP site to Cebu. But what we would realize that, you know, the quality of service, the quality of resilience, the uh, the very fact that Cebu had a, a great talent pool, good infrastructure, um, uh, low traffic congestion. I won't say there are no traffic, but it is nowhere close to the, the kind of challenges at time we see in the national capital region. And the very fact that it's a very stable BCP location. So uh, when we see what are the challenges sometimes we face in Manila. It could be anything from uh, volcanic eruption to, to earthquakes to typhoons, um, the traffic in any cases. And then if you look back and say that, hey, in the last one year, 
uh, how many times that COVID disrupted Cebu. I would say, you know, it's been almost a year that we have been extremely stable. It's just now that some cases have spiked up. But the, relatively, it has been a much more BAU setup even during the COVID crisis. So that shows the kind of religions, uh, release, uh, I'll say, resilience and the kind of commitment that's coming from the communities and the uh, the industry bodies, uh, you know, whether it's CIBO, whether it's uh, academe, whether it's uh, local government units, they have been extremely pro-business, pro-BPO and promoting interest of uh, of uh, BPO or IT companies which are based in Cebu because they, they realize that, you know, we are a strong contributor to the regional economy. We are a strong contributor to the employment sector. And I think we have been given the due uh, respect and due space for uh, ensuring that our operations are run with little or no impact to our customers. And I think that has kind of kept us floating. Uh, now, you're right, you know, possibly I'm the exception to the rule where most of our counterparts, my peers are based in Manila and based in Cebu. But I think, like I said, we have found opportunities there and it's extremely exciting to be here and see how our businesses do, how we work with our communities and how we are able to support them in the best possible manner. I, I you know, advise a lot of clients and prospective locators and investors and I, you know, I try and stress the amount of government and industry and just general society support that the outsourcing industry has. You know, the the government it is the single biggest uh, sector contributor towards the GDP, about sort of you know twelve thirteen percent towards GDP now, uh, and everyone is really behind. Uh, the outsourcing industry, everyone is really supporting it, you know, from local government to, to national government. And also then there's the associations, of course, uh, you know, and um, Cebu, CIBO, is Cebu's ITBPM organization. Can you can you speak to, you know, what uh, CIBO does and, and how they help and the way that they sort of help facilitate easy business? Yeah, so... There's, you know, without a doubt, you know, uh, CIBO has been the kind of backbone for, uh, you know, our ITBPO industry in in in, in Cebu. Uh, they have been here for over a decade. In fact, almost 20 years now, to be precise. And through different initiatives, that includes, you know, supporting members and upcoming members or new members with, uh, you know, logistics information, support on talent pool, industry connect, uh, you know, real estate partners, and then obviously, you know, wherever we need help from the, from not just from academe, but from LGUs and the, the provincial government side. So I think they have been extremely helpful. Uh, what has also been happening is that we have been working on at least eight strategies, eight strat plans, which which cover everything from industrial relations to academe to, uh, to transformation, digital space. Uh, you know, these are different strat plans that are under which, uh, you know, uh, each of the trustees have are taken. Like I said, I have, I'm taking in the benton of international relations. Similarly, there are seven more uh, strategies that we are working upon. So that has been kind of pretty comprehensive uh, promoting the interest of the, the ITBPO sector in, in Cebu. Then there's a very strong team, which I would say is extremely that I'm extremely proud of the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm amongst one of the trustees for the team. So we have our president, we have ED, we have our chairman, so they kind of provide the guidance and 
and inputs for us to take Cebu's ITBPO organization or Cebu ITBPO, uh, you know, charter to a next level. So, uh, like I said, there are multiple initiatives that we are working on in terms of uh, promoting employment, in terms of uh, looking at opportunities outside city, city. How do we ensure that we get more jobs? So, part and parcel of some of the direction and the support that we provide for our members or upcoming new members is that we help them kind of streamline their strategies. Uh, we tend to guide them what are the pros and cons for whether, you know, a location or, uh, you know, whether it's a location, whether it's a yeah, vertical that they are focusing upon, where we can help them in, in tires with academy, where we can help them in, in finding more talent pool, where we can hide them in scaling up operations, where we can help them in, 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 in uh, you know, in a process whereby they are looking for a, for a BCP setup or a large scale volume. So they are looking at a specific niche skill. I think those are the areas where CIBO has been able to kind of uh, provide their value at and ensure that any new business which comes to the city or a currently existing business needs direction or help. We are more than happy. And it's, it's a pretty much like a family kind of setup. So if you approach CIBO and say, say, Hey, I have a problem, whether I'm not able to hire, whether I'm looking for a new space or I'm, if I'm a new investor, I need to know about Cebu and what Cebu can bring to. I think the whole team is able to kind of gel together and able to bring out those value adds, those insights that you will never find in a, in a, you know, in a published journal or published, uh, you know, uh, news reports, which may be there. The, the high level details may be there, but you know, when the rubber meets the road and that's where we need the information, I think that's where the, the, the organizations come handy. The CIBO comes handy and giving you the right direction and the giving the right guidance in what will it take for you to have a, uh, have a smooth transition and a setup. And if you are seeing any challenges in your BAU operations also, the team is able to kind of guide you on, uh, on navigating through those challenges with the right advice. That's, I think that's where I see a lot of value. Prior to COVID, the industry generally has had a narrative that, you know, it's now a mature industry. It's maybe past its heyday. There's a bit of a sunset to the industry. You know, it, it's become, it, you know, it was incredible high explosive growth for a couple of decades, and now it's kind of plateauing off. You know, I think that is misguided. Uh, and even during, you know, as you mentioned, even during COVID, some of the you know, biggest recessionary times the globe has ever seen, there has been incredible growth from the outsourcing industry. How do you see the future for outsourcing? Do you have confidence that this is still on a big up ramp or do you think that the industry is sort of maturing and, and kind of plateauing? Yes. So, I, you know, I don't want to link it to COVID alone because if you look at between the years uh, leading up to from 2010 to 2016, the uh, compounded annual growth rate for the BPO industry, the IT BPO industry in Philippines was almost at a 14 to 16%. Um, IBPAP, which is the leading IT BPO organization in Philippines, revised those targets to around 9% or 10% between 2016 and 2022. So that's where I see that there was a headwinds of uh, coming out of uh, transformation to, to automation, RPA, uh, AI, everything playing into to more of, uh, you know, vanilla work, which was there in the BPO or the uh, back office space. But the industry was still expected to grow at around 8 to 9 percent. Now, COVID is kind of unique because uh, uh, it, it kind of symbolizes the very fact that the companies which which adapted to the change or were at least gearing up for the change for 
for a hybrid model, uh, aligning more themselves more with a uh, more with a more technology-based setup, were able to cope and adapt better. So if you look at uh, look at look at the Philippines ITBP industry. It's not the industry has not grown. We have added, or even in the midst of a big turbulence, we were able to add some thirty thousand odd jobs at our industry level. It's uh, the good part is it did not tattooed out or it did not uh, shrink. But the important thing is when we are looking at the industry level, that number comes out. But does it mean that? Every company survived, maybe not, maybe yes. Because if you look at some of the small players who were not very, very much inclined towards technology investment, not you know investing enough in in cloud computing, not investing enough in, in new digital platforms, they were the ones who struggled the most. So if you look at the industry itself, you know almost uh, the direction was that as much as everything moves work from home. So. Uh, companies which had invested heavily on platforms, cloud technologies, which enable seamless work from home, were able to adapt faster, were able to move to homes and, you know, they start taking calls, start doing the BPO work. But the companies which never ever prepared for that, they never had the, the base technology to support that kind of transaction. They had security restrictions which were never thought through. They never emphasized, emphasized that there can be a scenario where you have to work from home, take calls from home. I think that is where the struggle has been there. So uh, my my 10 cents or 2 cents on this is that uh, we all have to adapt to the new norm. Uh, this is going to be more of hybrid. Uh, while we firmly believe that given our customers' requirements, security concerns, uh, we would still prefer to be working from office as soon as the pandemic gets uh, under under control. But I think it's very important that as an industry, uh, we invest in technology, we invest in in uh, uh, platforms which are future-proof, which ensure that there's a seamless customer interaction from wherever you are, whether it's home, whether it's office. I think that is going to be a key dis- uh, differentiator because if you look at it directly, except for one sector, which is hospitality, okay, and, and understandably so. Uh, all other fa- sectors have been kind of booming. You know, if you look at retail, it's doing extreme, exceptionally well. You look at healthcare, it's doing exceptionally well. In healthcare also, I would say, you know, the payers and provider and possibly insurance and all, they have been doing exceptionally well, whether it's uh, retail is doing well, the technology is doing well. I think where it has taken a bit of a hit is more on the, the travel and transportation business which has taken which is which i firmly believe and i think we all believe that over a period of time it will overcome so it's not that the, the demand has gone it's just that do you have what what it takes to deliver or meet the customer expectation i think that's where the industry has to focus upon if i just look at wipro's case study itself in philippines uh, we have not. We have actually grown in 2020, 2021. Yes, there was a bit of a hit on some of the, say, our travel or the transportation kind of businesses, but we were extremely lucky to to uh, to you know move those employees into some other accounts. It can be retail. It can be a new age media customers kind of accounts where we saw volumes coming in, and thankfully so. Even that stage is now over with. Uh, customers again starting to travel like take an example of us take an example of europe where uh, airlines are back into business and there's a lot of you know consolidation that has also happened from customer side they have done away with low performing 
partners and they have kind of consolidated with with uh, partners who showed uh, inclination to invest inclination to uh, to 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 invest in quality to ensure that they they stay afloat so we have actually seen volumes coming back to us in a very very uh, large numbers uh, you know we are seeing uh, you know even our the vertical that were kind of impacted during the pandemic has now started doing well so i think uh, the the key message is are you willing to change are you making those moves are you seeing the future are you keeping yourself uh, updated and uh, you know ensuring that that you don't get stuck to the status quo and you are constantly constantly evolving so uh, i'll say you know you have to change you need to know if you're sitting and waiting that okay this covid is going to go away uh, in a six months time then i think we are in uh, you know you're in the wrong boat so you have to adapt you have to like i said you know look out for opportunities new technologies adapt to change have your plan b in place and be ready for a hybrid model and constantly be hungry for growth constantly be hungry to reach out to your customers to know what they want and i think that will that will keep the industry and the organizations afloat and one of the big concerns of the industry collectively, I think, is you know that everyone is pushing towards a higher value proposition, doing higher skilled functions, and then of course the the demand is for for appropriately skilled staff. You know, and outsourcing is very much a people game. You've got to have a lot of people in a lot of seats. And how do you feel the supply of the Philippines is a very young country, which is a huge advantage, and there's already a lot of, um, you know, very literate and well-spoken people. But how do you feel the education is uh, is coming along? And do you think that the Philippines is is uh, educating the people to a degree that they can uh, perform the higher skilled functions? So I think what happened, uh, Derek, during the course of 2016 when IBPAP, CCAP, you know, the other leading organizations in the ITPP industry, which I'm saying are more of the pan-Philippines level. And same is true for CIB also at a, at a local Cebu level. Uh, they have realized that challenge because if you look at it over the last two, three years, we have seen, uh, you know, uh, major outsourcing cities like, uh, uh, you know, many cities out of Philippines, they they kind of slipped in in certain measures that include Tholon's top 10, top 100 cities. And I think uh, it was out there. You know, everybody knew that you cannot sustain those rankings just purely on the voice business. You need to bring in more value. You need to bring in more talent into the mainstream uh, ITBPO industry to keep afloat to see how do you, you know, uh, take up the, 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 the challenge that's coming from uh, other offshore locations. So... Over the last four or five years, which is at least, you know, I'd see that there's a lot more coordination between the industry and the academe, you know, where you were, you know, closely working with Department of Education, Department of uh, Science and Technology. There are massive outreach in terms of uh, different certification and courses that are now available on new age technologies. Uh, there's a lot more focus on how do we improve the STEM education in the schools. And uh, like I said, there's a uh, there's a conscious bias and to understand that you know how do we how do we ensure we stay competitive so i'm seeing tie-ups even for example in Cebu, we have tie-ups with different universities with different academies which are focused on providing technical information providing information on certification on uh, courses on ai data analytics now all that may not 
require you to be to 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 adapt that just for a taking a contact center job but it gives you a larger breadth and understanding of technologies behind some of these innovations so uh, you know if you have employees who are better trained better aware of these technologies i'm sure there are opportunities that come our way uh, that requires those kind of skills and that's where uh, such kind of training such kind of investment does pay off uh, there's a lot more like i said there's a focus on certification there's a focus on on uh, on, on domain based courses so if you are in healthcare uh, possibly something to do with more on uh, not just USRI, if you are USRN nurse, uh, you know, what is the next set of domain understanding that you need to know to be a to be a better healthcare professional. If you are in the insurance part of the business, are there any certifications that are required that, you know, better understanding of, say, say HIPAA certification, possibly uh, more domain understanding there definitely helps. And same, so same is for, you know, uh, on, on BFSI and other segment that today it requires you to be better trained, better prepared, have certification, better understanding of what's going on in the market. And then you accordingly adapt your talent pool to stay abreast. So if you ask me the affirmative answer, the answer is yes. I think as an industry, as a as a country, uh, I see far greater investment in upskilling and training people for the new new set of jobs. And, uh, you know, realistically so, if you look at the very fact that they revised the, the growth at 9 or 10 is a realization, it's a wake-up call for us to in the Philippines ITBPO industry to understand there's a risk, there's a challenge. Uh, what worked in the past may not work now. And I can see that, you know, if in terms of if you go to any of our forums, whether it's, it's CIBO, whether it's IBPAP or CCAP, which are the leading ITBPO organizations, there's so much of focus now today on training. There's so much of focus on talent development. So I think uh, had it not been for a bit of, a, uh, you know, uh, challenges that we saw in the last one year, uh, things would have got further accelerated. But the way I look back, I think the pandemic had little effect on stopping it. What I said, you know, we still saw enough initiatives, enough, uh, uh, you know, movement on some of these initiatives. And we stayed, you know, very, very focused and very, very committed to the Philippines uh, story. So I, I see a bright future in how the BPO industry and the Philippines IT BPO industry is evolving. And if you take that to more of an extreme, I mean, Wipro as well is very much a technology-led uh, company. And the extreme then is uh, AI, the machine learning, automation. And, you know, a lot of industry pundits are really sort of suggesting that it could be the end of the industry. Again, I think that that's quite misplaced. Um, but where do you see the sort of technology aspect coming into play and do you see that as a sort of threat to the numbers in the industry or do you feel that it's just going to augment the power of the industry and and you know just make it a, a more powerful product for the next couple of decades so i think these are issues and I, I i believe when you say industry i hope you're referring to the ppo industry or you're referring to the whole it bpo because the general view is more on the BPO industry is it at risk, and uh, you know obviously IT is 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 here to stay. You know no no doubt about it. So I think you know uh, 
overall, the boundaries between what constitutes an IT and a BPO arm is kind of merging. You know, you have the fintechs of the world, you have the uh, new concepts evolving at all point of time. Uh, just like in industry, there's a, there's a, you know, there, there are less boundaries being created. And I think uh, we continue to stay stay pretty bullish we continue to stay extremely focused on our overall customer experience i would say in terms of framework uh, as a as a as a strategy i think we look at uh, excellent focus on scale and volumes in ensuring that you know how do we uh, meet our customer expectation now this can be a this can be a integrated services you know because customers they don't do not necessarily come back and say what outcome you give out of a bpo center or visa with your it setup i think the core is the customer service the core is integrated services because if i look at most of our deals also we do some bit of uh, work for our customers in the IT space, and definitely we do the customer service or BPO part. So I think the important thing that you need to get into the ecosystem of a, a customer. So let's suppose you are working for a retail partner or you're working for an airlines account. You know, it's always good to be embedded in their system. You know, it's possible like you are an IT partner for them also and a BPO. So that integration obviously works. Gone are the days of standalone BPOs, and uh, you know we are not really raising the pitch and saying that's a bad model. But I think a lot of our customers, and I think that's true for many of the customers, they, they look at over a single partner who gives you IT services and also possibly give you the BPO services. I think that is a reality that we all need to understand, and that is a reality that's going to be true because as time progresses, they're going to be more and more integrated services. They would, uh, there's a need for partners who know and understand the ecosystem end-to-end. Uh, they want, you know, rather than just providing a service, you have to be part of the solution. And that's where the solution mindset comes into picture when you are embedded into a customer system. You are bet- you have a better chance of directing uh, their, their their strategies, directing their, their uh, vision, and possibly, uh, you know, providing a superior customer experience. So, in a nutshell, I'll say uh, we don't really see a risk. There have always been one revolution after other where things have evolved. Even in the last... 20 years, even in the last 10 years, when everybody thought that, okay, BPO sector will uh, will possibly fizzle out, I think we have seen the demand go. As more and more people get economically well, there's, there's more customers who are entering the market. There are more uh, people are entering the market. They have their requirements. I think while the, the, the mundane or the repetitive works will go away, the easier calls will go away. IVRs will become more smarter. But I think there's always be a scope for human touch. Like you can see when what we do, you know, no matter how much algorithm is put into place, especially in the space of social media and, uh, you know, and some of the media customers that, that, that operate globally. But there's still a need for trained professionals who can, who can distinguish between the content which Possibly a machine, maybe a machine learning or maybe an uh, AI may be able to detect over a period of time because it's again an algorithm that's given. But there's always a need for a smart human touch who has been well-trained, who has gone through through uh, sensitivity training, who has gone through analytical training to be there. So I think uh, people will always be at the core of any business that we see. And at this point of time, at least we don't see that going away. 
And it's incredible just to watch the industry evolve because a lot of jobs have been lost through automation, but then the evolution is just creating a whole new set of jobs and, you know, the, the process continues then, doesn't it? So it's incredible to see, you know, and, and the whole time there's more and more jobs being added and more growth and higher level jobs in it. So it seems to be very much a, a net positive. So I seem, I think that's a fantastic place to lead it. And again, you know, I find it so exciting for the industry uh, and so exciting for the continued globalization, but also exciting for Cebu as well, that it's that it's really finding its place on the map and building uh, an incredible sort of global standard uh, IT BPM uh, city and supply. So thank you so much. If, um, if anyone wants to know more about Wipro or also Cebu and CIBO, the association, how, how can they do that? So what you have to do is to, you know, uh, you know, reach out to our uh, address. That's, I think I'm sure you'll mark it in the, in your uh, podcast or in your information. So I think reach out to Cebu ITBP organization. You have to just type, don't write Cebu, write Cebu ITBP organization and you'll get the homepage. So you'll get all the details relating to Cebu, you know, whom to be contacted, uh, how we can support, what are the staff committees that we have and the wonderful set of information, which, you know, you know, whether you want to know what is the talent pool, how many graduates, you know, how many universities, what is the scale of the market? Am I going to be the small fish in a big pond or big fish in a small pond? Uh, you know, your comparisons with where do we start, stand in terms of other uh, major settings and then you know what is our access route you know you will have all the information and the most important thing that i would like to call out for our listeners is that the great infrastructure that cebu brings to this country you know one of the best international airports you'll find in cebu it has a great connectivity with international airlines uh, a very robust and reliable infrastructure, great power and telecom uh, connectivity. And then there are some very land, very landmark uh, new infrastructure initiatives that are being developed at this point of time. So, uh, you know, my urge is do not miss the bus. I think it's just the right time for anybody who is looking for a, uh, for a smart city, for looking for a, uh, you know, for a tier two city, which is, Upcoming, it has already established itself as a as a major city for ITBPO industry. So this is the time for you to enter Cebu. Yeah, it is an incredible city, and the IT business park there is incredible. And there's so much development there, and uh, you know, of course, less traffic than Manila, slightly lower salaries in Manila, good availability of universities, as you say, and also some fantastic beaches down there. And oh, yeah, you can't miss that. You just can't miss that. So, you know, you don't, have, and that's that's on the lighter side. When I talk to my peers in, in, in Manila, so it's a pretty much an effort to get out of the city and go somewhere. And just to make those folks feel jealous, I would say, hey, I'm taking a beach break. All it takes me is a 15-minute drive from my home to, to, the, to the nearest beach. So I think from a work-life balance, so if you're looking, whether you're local or expatriate, uh, this is a great place to work and for some of you even retire. So I'll just leave it on that note. It is. There it is. And that website is cib.org.ph. So do go and check it out. Yeah. Asim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Derek. It was a pleasure talking to you and I hope it was useful for our uh, listeners also. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Stay safe. That was Asim Roy of Wipro. 
As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to email us, just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.